This is an oral history of the Lord's move at Gonzaga University in the late 1970s. It's a story of what can happen when a group of young men are captured by the enjoyment of their human spirit and the truth of the ground of the church. The following is a testimony from Bob Henry, a high school friend of Jim's, who eventually opened to the brothers, came fully into the church life, and migrated to Europe for the Lord's move in Germany. Maybe I'll take it from here. I'll, I'll share my connection to the brothers. And my connection to the brothers is through Jim. I was raised a Catholic. I have four brothers and three sisters, so a family of eight. And I'm uh, one of the younger of the, of the eight. We were the, called the three little boys, and I was the oldest of the three little boys. So I was raised in a Catholic family, but at, in an early age, at a young age, I really had felt that the Lord had called me to serve him in some way. I, I didn't know uh, in what way, how I thought it was to become a Catholic priest. And my uncle was a Catholic priest. And he would always, he would come to our house every um, Sunday evening and we would eat dinner. My mom would make dinner, a big family dinner. And after the dinner, he would not every week, but he would take me aside and he would talk to me and ask me questions, my views about the Bible and God and all these things. And my aunt, his mother, would, would also come and she would pray on her knees, the rosary. And my sisters told me that she was praying that I would become a priest. So she would pray and I remember her, we'd go in and watch TV and she'd be on her knees in the front room praying her rosary and her ro her prayer was that i would become a priest so this was my growing up you know and and as i got older i began to seek more i thought i i don't know if i fully believe the catholic faith there are many things that you know just don't make sense to me and so there has to be something else so that's when I began to search other places. My friend was a Methodist. I went with him to a Methodist denomination. I began to search meditation. I talked to people about the Baha'i faith. When Jehovah Witnesses would come, I wanted to talk to them. I wanted to know what they had for me. When I started university, I started into meditation. I thought, well, maybe meditation is the way. Transcendental meditation. Uh, you guys probably all, all remember Professor Gilmore. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. That Buddhist priest. He was a he was Buddhist, Buddhist priest. He was a Buddhist priest at Gonzaga, and I took all his classes. He told me, you know, that what you need to do is you should light a candle in a dark room and then try to enter into the flame of that candle. You know, I was game for anything. But do you remember, you remember, we, he used to smoke in class and he would never flick his ashes. And so we would wager when, when, that, when that long ash was gonna drop, was gonna drop off. Anyway, Gilmore was really something. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't Chinese, you know, he was, he was a white guy, you know, he was just a hippie, but yeah. he, was a, he was a Buddhist monk and he would teach, he taught classes at a Catholic university. Gonzaga was a Catholic university that we all went to. So anyway, I'm trying all these things and really nothing is, nothing's hitting the mark with me. 
Wow. You know, and eventually I, I realized that probably I will never find anything. Wow. I'll never find anything. I've just got to find what's best, what's closest. Hmm. And, and so when I graduated from university, I talked to the priest that lived in the dorm that I was responsible for. And hmm. I talked to him and I asked him, what do I need to do to become a priest? Wow. And so he gave me an application to fill out. And so I've got the application and I started to fill out this application that after university, I was going to go and become a priest. Hmm. And, and during that summer, I was living with my two flesh brothers. And I remember, I distinctly remember one night praying to the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't know what to do with my life. You take my life and do something with it. I don't know what to do. And I prayed this prayer. This was in July. I prayed this prayer. And my plan was, as I was going to work, I, I always had a good summer job. I worked as a laborer in a, in a foundry, and, and I made really good money. And I was going to work up until, after I graduated, which was in May, I was going to work until December. And then I was going to take a trip to New Zealand and Australia, and I'd hitchhike through New Zealand and Australia. And there I would pray to God that I could sort out my life somehow. And that he would lead me somehow in that, in that time when I would hitchhike with my backpack through those two countries. Hmm. So anyway, what happened was, is I got laid off from my job in September. And so I decided I would go back to university and get a master's. And so I went back to Eastern Washington University. And one of the first weeks I was there, I met Jim Guest. And I knew Jim, you know, I knew Jim because we went to high school together. Jim was two years behind me. Jim and Peter were two years behind me. I think I was their PE instructor because I was good friends with the football coach and uh, he was responsible for that. So he would give it to his kind of lieutenants to run it so he didn't have to do it. And Jim was in one of those uh, PE classes. So I, I got to know Jim a little bit through that. And so when I saw Jim, and I knew Jim's story a little bit, Jim didn't tell you his whole story. And so I said, hey, Jim, you know, what are you up to? You know, what are you doing? And he says, oh, not, not much, you know, just, just going to class. And, and I said, well, what are you doing? Who are you living with? And he, and he says, I'm living with Peter Welk. And when he said Peter Welk, uh, Peter Welk? And I'll tell you the story. Because when I was at university, I'm just living a life you know, I'm kind of seeking the Lord a little bit. I'm basically just living the college life, the animal house life. So I was just living that life. And I remember seeing Scott, one of the first weeks of school. Scott was this, this guy, you know, he's black brother, but there weren't that many black brothers at Gonzaga, right? You were, you were a minority there. And yeah. there's Scott, just very sharply dressed, and he's got a leather briefcase going to class. Mm -hmm. And believe me, nobody had a leather brief, briefcase <laughs> and nobody was dressed that nicely. And here's, here was Scott, you know, so he, he stuck out. <laughs> and, you know, and, and he was quite a, good, quite a good point guard on the basketball team. You know, if there was a fast break to be busted, the way they would bust the fast break is they just pass the ball to Scott and he'd dribble through it. So full court press, sorry. 
Scott would just dribble through it, you know. And anyway, I had some friends. I knew I knew Scott's wife. I knew another a sister named Maria and another sister named Rosemary, and they all started to hang around Scott. And we started to hear about we he started hearing about Scott and the basketball team. And then Peter Welk lands on the campus. And I knew Peter Welk, you know, he lands on the campus when I'm a junior. And Peter, when he lands, he makes a splash. You know, it, it, does, it just doesn't quietly enter into a room, you know, it was a splash. And he comes in and, and I, I don't know what word you use, Epicurean. Uh, yeah, Epicurean life, yeah. Uh, believe me, you know, Peter, Peter had probably the best stereo, one of the best stereos on campus, and, and he wasn't afraid to use it. On a nice day, it would be cranked, and, and all this was going on, and I thought, okay, yeah, Peter's here. Because I knew Peter from high school. And I said, yeah, Peter's here. And he was in a dorm uh, with a lot of guys that I knew. And I was responsible for another dorm there at Gonzaga. And he was living there. And then, and then partway through that year, I don't know if it was that year or the next year, what it was. But all of a sudden, Peter changed. And then I heard the rumors, you know, because Scott lived in a dorm called Desmet. And my best friend was responsible for DeSmet. And so he would tell me the stories of what is going on in that dorm room at Scott Finney's place. And it was pretty weird from what he told me. And then these guys, what they would do is they would come into the cafeteria. They would march into the cafeteria and, you know, you can just picture this, you know, uh, a university in Northwest Washington state, you know, almost to the border of Canada. And here's these, I don't know, 10 or so guys, and they would come into the cafeteria and then they would all go up in the cafeteria up to kind of a platform on the cafeteria where some ate and their table would be there. And then they would to their top of their lungs say, Oh Lord, amen, hallelujah, Jesus. And we just, we just thought, what is that? Who, who are these guys? You know, this is really, really weird. And they would write, they would write articles in the newspaper about mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Now you've got to realize, I was a Catholic, never read the Bible, knew a little bit about the Bible, had no idea what the Holy Spirit was. Mm -hmm no idea what the spirit was i i knew who jesus was i knew who god was i had no idea who the spirit was my friends and i we would read that article they listen to this isn't this funny you know they talk about the spirit and this what kind of spirit are they talking about some kind of ghost somewhere or something like this you know we would we would talk about this and then i was responsible for a dorm of students and you know a lot of my a lot of my best friends were responsible for dorms and were responsible for students. Well, we were part of what was called a campus ministry team. And this campus ministry team, we had an, a very important meeting. And this very important meeting we got together in this campus ministry team and this meeting was told that we need to watch out for Scott Finney. Hmm. And, and Scott Finney and this group of people that he's got, because they lure, they lure on insecure people. Hmm. 
So any of the insecure people around your dorms, who they are, you got to watch out. Wow. And then my friend, my friend Bob, he told me about those dorm, dorm room meetings, you know, how they would, this is what he told me, you know, they would turn off the lights and then they would start chanting and, and they had candles lit and, you know, I, I don't know if any of that was true, Scott. Was that true? No, it wasn't even true. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway, he told me all these things, you know, and my friend was quite a, quite a storyteller in his own right. Anyway, so he, they told me all these stories and this campus ministry, they told us that we need to watch out. And they were very visible, you know, because the basketball team, these guys, you know, all of us were six foot and under, you know, and you got this huge basketball team around and they're all just really enjoying the Lord. And we didn't really know how to deal with that. So anyway, I had this whole experience of going through university, seeing Scott, Peter, seeing what happened to Peter. And then Jim tells me he's living with Peter. Hmm. And I, I, I say, Jim, Jim, are you, are you in that thing? Wow. And, and I said, Jim, you're, you're, you're kind of a level-headed guy. What are you doing with those guys? And, you know, like if God would be walking on one side of the street, I'd walk on the other side of the street. You know, I didn't want to interact at all. Didn't want to be touched by all this, all this stuff. So anyway, I'm getting around to the gospel. So I saw Jim and Jim told me he's living with Peter. And I just, you know, I just couldn't hardly believe this. And so, so Jim, what, what, what's going on? What happened to you? And Pete, and then Jim began to share with me about how he got saved. And that the Lord changed his life. And my, my thought was, you know, well, Jim, I'm really happy for you. I'm a strong Catholic. You obviously needed a little more. I, I don't. And so I'm really happy for you that you found something. And that's the way I left it with Jim. I said, Jim, I'm really happy for you, but that's not for me. Sorry. And so Jim went his way and I went my way. And then it just started to operate on me. You know, it started to churn in me. This is what I've wanted my whole life. Wow. My whole life. This is what I'm seeking. Jim's got it. Wow. This is, this is the realization I had inside me is that I've got to find him. I've got to find him. Whatever it takes, I've got to find him again because I think he, he might have it. I need to, I need to go get into this a little bit more. Hmm. And so anyway, I began to search the uh, phone book and I looked, looked in the phone book to try to find all the guests in the phone book I would call because I know kind of where Jim lived and everybody that lived in that area, I called them and say, I I'm looking for Jim Guest. You know, and so I don't know how many people I called, maybe, I don't know, at least 10, at least 10 I called. I couldn't find Jim Guest. Wow. So anyway, couldn't find Jim Guest and I needed my chimney swept because I'm living with my brothers in the Northwest. Your chimneys where you have your fire, you got to sweep those chimneys every once in a while. So I got a guy to come sweep my chimney and he comes into my house and just starts talking to me and he asked me where I went to school and I said I went to Gonzaga. And he goes, oh, do you know, do you know Peter, Peter Welk and Scott Finney? And I said, I said, are, are you one of those? <laughs> and, and he, this is what he did. He said, yeah. 
Christ is really real. <laughs> you know, and, and he did with those, you know, things, he said that to me. And he says, we're having a gospel meeting. Do you want to come? And I said, yes, I want to come. And so I probably shocked him as much as he shocked me when I told him, yes, I wanted to come. So I came, I came to the meeting and, and that meeting is where I called on the Lord and Scott shared with me. He was so excited about the three circles and the spirit and Scott shared with me. And I don't know about five others shared with me. You know, I was probably there for an hour and a half and really just wanting to kind of get out of there. I called on the Lord. Not so much happened to me. Anyway, then all of a sudden, these guys, Peter starts coming over to my house, calling me brother, and, and I, I'm going to university, and people are calling me brother, and I'm thinking, you know what, you're not my brother, don't call me brother, I don't like that. And then this one guy, and I'm on the bus on my way home from, from university, and this guy like, walks on the bus, and he looks at me, and he smiles at me, and I thought, oh no, not another one of these guys. And he says, weren't you in that meeting? And I said, yes, I, I, I was in that meeting. He says, can I sit down by you? I really didn't want him to sit down by me, but I let him sit down by me. So he sat down by me and it was raining that night. Found out that he lives about three or four blocks from me, from my house. And so I offered to give him a ride home. So I, I give him a ride home just because I didn't want him standing out in the rain. I give him a ride home. And then he begins to share with me God's whole economy. And that's when I realized, yes, this, this is it. This is it. He shared the whole Bible with me. This person was Rick Anderson, the very person that knocked on the door at Scott's house. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when he spoke to me, a few years later, he told me, it's too bad Rick couldn't be here. But, but Rick told me a few years later that he was in the lowest point of his whole Christian life. Hmm. When I was talking to him, he was at the lowest point of his Christian life. And at hmm. his lowest point, he began to speak to me. Wow. So my point was, don't trust your feelings. That's right. Don't trust where you think you are. That's right. If he had sided with those feelings, mm -hmm. He would have never opened the Bible to me. I, I called on the Lord, but, and I wanted this, but I, I wanted something where the Bible was central and someone who knew the Bible that could open the Bible to me. He was so key to opening the Bible to me, to opening my realization that, yes, there is a purpose to the Bible. God, there is something to the Bible. There is a message in the Bible. It's not just be good. There's something else deeper. And that's what I was seeking, and that's what I wanted. So when he spoke to me, he spoke to me, this really impacted my life. My point, I think, in preaching the gospel hmm. is we are the Lord's co-workers. Hmm. We don't have to convince anybody. That's right. We don't have to persuade anybody. That's right. The Lord is doing the work. Mm -hmm. The Lord will do the work. We just go alongside. Yeah. The Lord used Jim. Yeah. Jim, yeah. just his countenance, his enjoyment. That something operated in me mm -hmm. that said, this, there's something real there. I've got, mm -hmm. to, I've got to explore that. And then Rick sharing with me, this was the, the operating God. And the Lord used a few brothers alongside mm -hmm. to operate with him to open my eyes and touch my life.
And from that time, by the Lord's mercy, I've been enjoying and pursuing and loving the Lord ever since. And like Jim, don't regret a day. I just feel like seek first the kingdom of God Amen. and all these things will be added to you. I feel like I'm the recipient of all these things that have been added. So I'm so thankful, um, thankful for this chain of, of brothers that eventually somehow got to me. Hallelujah. And I'm, I'm so happy about that. Praise Amen. the Lord. Amen. I'd like to add just a little bit something to Bob's testimony. You know, after Bob got saved, man, we were just like, we were ecstatic that Bob had gotten saved. And of course, he was still a little aloof. You know, he wasn't jumping in the boat by any means. And actually, for a period of time, he was running away from us. But as he had mentioned earlier in his testimony, he had already planned a trip to Australia and New Zealand. Mm -hmm. So he just took off for, for Australia and New Zealand. And the brothers in Spokane sent the brothers in, in Australia. And Did you go to New Zealand first or Australia? Australia. But it was in New Zealand the brothers picked you up at the airport. Is it right? So... Yeah. Well, we knew the brothers in New Zealand, so we passed the information to the brothers there, and the brothers picked up Bob at the airport, and then Bob started traveling all the churches in New Zealand, and whatever he would go, he would just set the churches on fire, this, this, this newly saved guy, man, seeing all this stuff, and you know, he'd stay for a couple of days and then he'd have to move on. And whenever he would move on, the saints were crying and Bob was crying. And, and yeah. he, he fully, fully began to see the Lord's testimony. And practically, practically, he saw it. And so I'll never forget when Bob came back to Spokane, mm -hmm. Jim and I were living in the brother's house together. And after a few days, he got back, he, he came to the door, he knocked on the door, and he said, brothers, I'm ready to move in. <laughs> <laughs> so we were all in the brother's house. We were all in the brother's house for about three years together. Amen. Um, so that trip was, a, was just, I mean, that was the, really the Lord's sovereignty. next time on Stories. I want to tell you, he was a starting center for the basketball team. He looked very intimidating, almost 6'10", 6'11", almost. And yet, I, and this is a principle kind of like Bob said, we can't believe our feelings or our thoughts because he looked as if he had it together. And you know, most people act and behave like they have it together. But deep down inside, everyone's a broken vessel. Everyone has a sense of vulnerability that they're trying to hide. Everyone has a sense of powerlessness and insecurity that they don't want to let out. And I sat and talked with him. And as we talked about some things, and he knew I was with the brothers and, and doing things, he said, what is it about all that for me? And he asked, can, can, I, be, can I be saved? I would never dream this guy would ask me, can I have a part of what you all are taking? And as I talked to him, I realized this big man, intimidating man, was a little teddy bear inside. All he needed was the proper setting 